of us are responsible for understanding the power we have in our purchases. I mean, we all, we, it's just, it's just one thing that we, we own, we own all the power in regard to. So, you know, I just, I like to say as much as I can in any opportunity I can to, you know, to take that seriously, you know, and I, and again, I know that takes work. It takes time. We're all busy, but, you know, try to figure out a way to make that a priority in terms of how you spend your money and who you're supporting when you spend every single dollar, mm -hmm. because it matters. You're listening to the Good Dirt Podcast. This is a place where we dig into the nitty gritty of sustainable living through food, fashion, and lifestyle. And we're your hosts, Emma and Mary Kingsley, the mother and daughter founder team of Lady Farmer, a slow living apparel and lifestyle brand. We started this podcast as a means to further share the wealth of information and quality conversations that we're having constantly in our world as we dream up and deliver ways for each of us to live into the new paradigm, one that is regenerative, balanced, and whole. We want to put the microphone in front of the voices that need to be heard the most right now, the farmers, the dreamers, the designers, and the doers. Come cultivate a better world with us. We're so glad you're here. Now let's dig in. Welcome. Before we get going today, uh, we just wanted to chat for a few minutes about our upcoming virtual slow living retreat. It's just... Not the best year to gather in person, as we all know, but we're working really hard to make sure that um, we bring all of the same spirit and community and love and heart uh, into this online event as we do for our in-person event. Uh, another thing I'll say about that is it's been really fun and interesting to pull together all of these platforms and tools that, you know, as probably many of you know, this transition to online, um, we've all had to adjust. And with that has come a lot of really awesome tools, basically. So I think what we are producing is actually going to be really user-friendly and fun. And I don't know, I can get really nerdy thinking about it, just kind of like how to make this the best, easiest um, and a really fun online experience for those of us who might not enjoy being online or staring at screens a lot. <laughs> I can just promise that it's going to be awesome. What do you think, Mom? How do you feel about it? Yeah, I think it's really been um, an exercise and an eye-opener to us on, um, you know, how to make lemonade out of lemons, so to speak. Um, just finding opportunity and potential in a situation that we were forced to embrace it's definitely going to be different but we are certain that it's not going to be any less valuable or enjoyable yeah and probably the thing that I'm most excited about is that we don't have to and you as attendees don't have to worry about travel you know all of those things just kind of the logistics around gathering in person which at the end of the day are completely worth it, but just make it a lot more difficult for some people to, to join us. So in this way, bringing it online, it's so much more accessible. Um, we can make the pricing much more accessible, all of those things. So 
another thing that's really cool about that is we we can work with and collaborate with so many more people. Um, and one of those has actually come out of today's podcast interview. Um, I almost don't want to. I almost don't yeah. want to tell the secret because it's like so good. But basically, if you sign up for the retreat, you get a sweet gift box mailed to your house with like physical items, um, and that's kind of our tangible way of welcoming you and something to kind of bring all of us together from across the country. We'll, we'll all have the same, same little goodies to go through. <laughs> and that will be provided by yours rurally. You'll hear about it more in today's episode. Yes, and I'm really excited about today's episode. It touches on so many things that are central to our mission at Lady Farmer. And these are things we've been talking about all along. But until now, I haven't really been in the mainstream discussion. Yeah, this includes like buying habits, conscious consumerism, and how buying more consciously is actually connected to so many things other than just, you know, the thing that you're buying for singularly. It's one of those drop in the bucket <laughs> things that actually has a magnanimous effect that we really believe in. Yeah, and right now, um, with everything going on, um, it's so important to kind of elevate this discussion and get it out there more, get it, get it more on people's hearts and minds. So it was really gratifying to meet entrepreneur Sherry Powell and have her express and affirm these ideas through her company, Yours Rurally. Sherry is a proud native of Alamo, small town in rural Georgia, and she has been, before starting her company, Yours Rurally, a longtime advocate for sustainable rural economic development policies and initiatives. So she used to actually live here in D.C. and work on the Hill. Um, and so now she's on a mission to do her small part in supporting small town rurally based businesses and in turn, rural economies, one gift box at a time. This looks like every time you buy a gift box from Sherry at Yours Rurally, which is a gifting company, you are supporting this mission. So she very thoughtfully curates these beautiful gift boxes. She sources from, and you'll hear more in the episode as to how she chooses how she sources, but she sources just very strict guidelines on her sourcing and she packages sustainably, so no plastic or anything, and uh, which we, of course, love. And at, at the end of the day, the most important thing, I think, is that they are so beautiful and so meaningful because all of the thought that has gone into this really creates a beautiful product that affects not only the receiver, but then the giver, and also the people who made the items in the box. It's just a really beautiful circular mission. So I want to tell this little story about today's episode. The week before we recorded the interview, I kept having this thought that, oh, if people could just understand the power they have to change things through their choices as consumers and in making informed and conscious decisions about everything they buy. 
then how quickly we would begin to see real change in these systems. And I kept having this thought to myself, I want to shout it from the rooftops. You have such power as a consumer. So not to be a spoiler here, but you'll hear during our discussion with Sherry how she says she's had the very same thought. So needless to say, this got us all pretty excited, and what ensues in this episode is quite a lively discussion. Um, In fact, I suggested that we call this show Shout It From The Rooftops, but uh, Emma thought that was a terrible name for an episode, so we're calling it Your (laughs) Consumer Power. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just, it's a cute idea, but if we named it Shout It From The Rooftops, then if someone was looking at this and they didn't already know anything about Lady Farmer (laughs) and the Good Dirt, it would be really confusing and they probably wouldn't click on it. Um, But isn't it, don't you think it's really something that that Sherry said the exact same thing that I had been thinking? I just think that's very meaningful. Yeah. So as you'll see in this episode, it does get very lively, but it was because it was so fun and we definitely have a new friend. Uh, in the in Sherry and after this wonderful conversation and we're so excited to be working with her for the retreat so without further ado we present Sherry Powell from Yours Rurally. I'm a native of a town called Alamo, Georgia it's um it's in South Georgia, Wheeler County. Its population is a little over 3000 and it is the third poorest county in the country. And I was born and raised there. Um the majority of my family still lives there. All of my high school friends, not all, but a majority of my high school friends. So it's it's home um even though I'm, I don't live there now, it is home. I still have a close connection there and and I you know, I love my roots and I'm very proud of them. Um and so after high school I did move up to Athens for undergrad and then eventually moved to DC for 12 years where I spent the first five years of my time in DC working on Capitol Hill for a senator from Georgia, um, the late Senator Zell Miller, who uh, was a proud native of of the Appalachian Mountains. He was from Young Harris, Georgia. And so that was for sure the most formative portion of my career thus far, just being able to serve the state in a way where I was working on behalf of both citizens and companies based in big cities, Atlanta, Savannah, Augusta, but also small rural towns like my own. Um, And I'd love to dive a bit into that later, just in terms of some of the policy work that I was able to do in relation to rural, rural economic development. 12 years in DC, they were great. And then just at some point decided I wanted a change of scenery. So moved up to, um, to Brooklyn where I've been since 2012. Um, you know, at that point I was in a corporate career, um, you know, not, you know, just, <laughs> just getting through the days to be honest. Um, and then just recently decided to try to venture out and do this thing that I'd been thinking of for a long time. And, you know, just really wanted to do something that I cared about and, and something that I thought would have some impact in a small way, but in a way. Um, so in early 2020, I launched Yours Rurally, and um, you know it's funny because I, I, when I think about what I'm putting out in the world, it's definitely related to the beauty of 
given in a thoughtful, beautiful way, but it's also mostly rooted in the idea of given in a way that it's impactful. So the way you're spending your money to gift is really helping someone at the end of the day, helping these rurally based businesses. Um, and in addition to that, one of the driving forces and the most important driving force for why I did this is for this, the opportunity to become engaged in advocacy and to carve out my seat at the table to be a part of the dialogue about what's happening in rural spaces across the country. So there's a lot of layers to why I did it. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot, but I'm, I'm, and it's, it's very early in the process, but I'm, I'm enjoying this and I feel like I'm starting to be able to find ways to make, make some changes, at least in terms of dialogue and hopefully economically later down the road. Oh my gosh, we can relate on so many levels. I just, yeah. I love so much about this because, so it's gifting is your company, right? It's like gift boxes, like corporate yes. gifting, wedding. So for anyone who's listening and doesn't know what that is, um, can you explain a little bit what that is? Yes, of course. So, so we, Yours Rurally offers curated gift boxes for all occasions. Um, and we feature premium high utility products that are sourced exclusively from rurally based entrepreneurs and brands throughout the USA. Um, and when I say rurally based, we adhere to the definition and the designation by the U.S. Census Bureau and the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the Center for Rural Health Policy. And I say that because when I set out to do this, I thought, oh, this will be very fun and easy because I know all these small towns and all these makers. And then when I got into it, I realized that the way the government defines rural versus urban is very nuanced. <laughs> so it became a lot trickier than I thought. Um, wow. But we do provide pre-packed curated boxes for individual personal giving and also provide gifting services for corporate clients, wedding occasions, and special events. Um, especially, I love the opportunity. We've had a couple of opportunities to do farm dinners, and that those have just been <gasps> best. <laughs> the wow. absolute. Um, of course, one has been canceled because of COVID, but the, we did a small one in early, just before all of this happened, and it was it was a dream to be honest. It, it really was. So, um, so we, and th and those are the types of, of events that I have to say are my favorite. Um, the corporate is fun, but <laughs> of course, but the farmers and makers directly and then provide gifting in that regard. Of course. Well, I was going to say, and mom, and I know you have something to say to you before I forget it. What's so interesting to me is that generally gifting and the, and the, the gift box business industry, um, unless it is like a high quality, uh, company with like yours, I feel like is a lot of times just another excuse to, you know, get stuff that you don't need and plastic things and brand it, you know, just kind of like when I've been, I haven't been to a ton of those events, but when I have been, I come home with a bag that's like, this is just a bunch of crap. But yeah. what you're doing is like literally 180, the opposite. It's like taking something that traditionally is like, what's the point and making it so layered full of like positive, like ec economy, culture, and like world changing mission, which is just so fascinating to me. And we can relate to that because when we started, we're like, we want to do clothes. And then it's like, but it's not just that there's like so many layers to it and so many things woven in. To add what Emma said, all the, the parallels with our lady farmer mission. Uh, when you said this is to help people 
think about what they are buying. That's, yeah. that's so fundamental to what we're trying to educate on right now. And as Emma was talking about the typical like favor bag or gift box or whatever that, that comes with these types of events, they are usually because of the way these things are put together and by economic necessity, the cheapest things available, the least costly to whoever is doing this. Yeah, that's and, right. And to turn that on its head and to say, what is something that will, um, that will honor the source, honor the maker, honor the place where it came from, honor the materials. It's just so exciting. Yeah. I just like am like I'm tingling. We are fangirling right now. <laughs> yeah, we are we are fangirling. <laughs> this is such a great idea. Like the point is not to give you a box of cheap junk. It is right. to give you things with true meaning. Okay. We are. So now it's yeah. <laughs> Mary, I, I, I have to tell you, I'm going to take that exact <laughs> exactly what you just said and that will be my can remarks going forward because that was I think that was beautifully beautifully stated and I'm, I'm very that that gave me chills oh, thank you I thank you so much I'm so passionate about this um about the fact that we are in our in our systems we are trained conditioned as practically in our DNA to try to get the most for the least amount of money that's, yeah. that's what the whole point of this, that's just what we do. We look for the bargain. We look for the deal. We try to save money. And I, I just want so much to help people think differently about these things. And this is just a wonderful uh, place to start with that. And it's yeah. like, here's a box of things that have another meaning. Yeah. 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 That's right. And, and also, you know, I, I, you know how I know in the business world, they, we always talk about figuring out who your ideal customer is before creating a product. And so in so many ways, I was the ideal customer for, for yours really, because, you know, I, to your point, Mary, just wanted to be thoughtful about who I'm, who I'm supporting with my dollars and, you know, making sure that I'm conscious of the material that I'm bringing into my home and sending into another home. Um, and at the end of the day, that it all takes time. I mean, it takes time to sit yeah. and do the research and do the, do the due diligence. And so, you know, there have been many times where I wanted to send a gift for a new baby or for a friend who became engaged and I wanted to do it timely. And, and I ended up just, you know, honestly and candidly just ordering something from Macy's or Amazon and just, mm -hmm. you know, I'd feel guilt about it because I didn't take time to, to just sit and, and do the, the research. And so that was also one of the, the motivations to do this is just, listen, I'll do the research for you. We know we will do the, do the vetting and do the due diligence and make, make it easier for you to give in a good, thoughtful way for everyone. So just to make the point that it does take time for, for us to try to be thoughtful consumers. And so it's, um, I'm, I feel like yours really is one step in the direction of making it easier for, for people to, to use their purchase power in a thoughtful way. Absolutely. And then to, to provide that service to the makers too, and to expose yeah. them to, cause when, when you have a candle in a box and, and you've just been given it in this box or whatever, and you're like, Oh, this candle, and you look at the label. And then when it comes time to buy another candle and you're like, Oh, I like that yeah. candle. Then, you know, you're, yeah. you're basically doing this. It's just so cool. It's so cool. And, <laughs> and I will add to that point. One of my favorite things about um, that I didn't anticipate, but what I love about this too is every box 
when it's packed to send out, it includes a postcard of each product with <clears throat> where it's made, the population of that town and the per capita income of that town. So when you hold that product in your, in your hand, you know that you're supporting a maker in this specific location and what the, di the demographics of that location are. Mm -hmm. And I, I, when I, if I received that, I would, <laughs> I would just find that very beneficial. And I feel like, you know, I'm a part of something bigger than just what's fast and what's cheap and what's easy and what's quick. So mm -hmm. I, I, I do love, as much as I love the products, I also love sort of the, um, you know, the awareness that's built around each product when they receive a gift. Yeah. Another thing that's so wonderful about this is that the, the idea or the assumption that sustainability or, or you know, making these, these more thoughtful purchases are something that's exclusive to a more privileged population because the, the, the underserved or um, impoverished populations cannot think about these things. They can't, they're not, these, these things are not accessible to them, but this is a way of integrating all of that. This is like, you're bringing, um, you're not, it's not just expensive things for people who can afford it. It's real things coming from real people, going to people, to create an understanding of a more holistic, thoughtful system that's beneficial for everybody. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. I love that. I'd love to dive into that a little bit more and kind of um, talk about your work in sustainable rural economic development and something that we mentioned before, which was um, this general understanding that how much can I get for the least amount of money? Um, which seems to make sense because we've all been conditioned that way. And then also when you think about it, the people who very, um, like very cut and dry, do not have resources beyond even just trying to get food on the table. So how can, how can you say something like, it's not all about the cheapest when it's like, when sometimes for people that's like very much their reality. So yeah. can we talk about that a little bit and, um, and your work around that? So the, the first and quick reaction I have to that is, is really, it, I feel like it's full circle in regards to the mission of Lady Farmer. And it is, it boils down to limited resources, I feel like should and could inspire slower, more simple living. And so, you know, the way, and this is more from a personal perspective and also related to, to, to the company, yours really, but, you know, it's fewer things, better quality, better investment. Um, and, and, and a deeper connection because, because of that. So that's, um, that's sort of the mindset that I've been trying to make personally and also trying to communicate and convey throughout my social circles and also through my family, my, fa my, you know, you know, my, just my family settings, um, you know, because, because you're right, it's, you know, it's premium comes with a price. And so, but it's a matter of, you know, sometimes sacrifice and abundance and more and more quantity and putting the priority on quality and fewer and simpler and and finding joy and peace in that um so that's the mindset that i've you know i've grown into and you know really just trying to articulate and focus on that in any way i can in my in my own life and throughout my own com personal communities and also you know just using that also as a thoughtful platform for for, for the company um but that, those are hard conversations i mean there's real there's 
you know, there's a reality to all of that. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. um, yeah. That's, 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 that's going to be an evolution in that, uh, you know, I know the overused term is marathon versus sprint, but I know that, you know, it's easy to sit and talk about that, but it's not easy, you know, it's not easy to put into practice. Yeah. And it's also, um, speaking of marathon versus sprint, I think in a way it's been a marathon to get us to this point. Like I'm no economic expert, but the system to get us to where we are right now has been a long time in the making. We have literally been conditioned to believe, as you were saying, that more is more. And um, because that benefits the system. So the more we're buying, the more the system benefits and the cheaper that they can make it for us, the easier it is for us to buy into that. Um, But when you flip it on the head, it seems almost impossible because we've been so conditioned. So Sherry, you said two things that excited me. So I, I wrote them down so I could not forget. I love what you said, the way you put it, limited resources leads to slower living. It can be an opening, not an obstacle. That's right. Yep. Which is another concept that we're turning on its head here in this discussion. Um, And sustainable living does not mean you have to buy stuff. It doesn't mean you have to buy these products that are, that are, um, you know, labeled sustainable. It's not, it's not about buying anything. It is about, um, it's about changing yourself from the inside out and, and, and your perspective on things. And the other thing you said that I think affirms this is that you said abundant. It's not about abundance. It's more about quality. And I'd like to add to that. Abundance does not have to be about quantity. You know, we think of abundance being a lot. Yes. But mm-hmm. an abundance and a abundance of um let's say a, a a garment that is of natural fiber it has no plastic in it it's not synthetic it doesn't have toxic dyes it's a really great thing you wear it all the time that can be an abundance over five sweaters from the big box store that you got a great deal on and you're so excited and your drawers are stuffed and you can't even open or close them. Yes. It's a different idea of abundance as well. So we're just, you know, we're all, we're all trying here to just get people to think differently about things. And it's just quite an uphill battle because um, as Emma was saying, you know, the system has been evolving for a long, long time. Um, and there's a great book that I read recently, and I'm not going to remember the author, but we can put it in the show notes. It's The History of the World in Seven Cheap Things. And um, two of the cheap things are cheap lives and cheap labor. And wow. we, we have to read recognize that the way we operate today, our economic system is totally dependent on people doing things as cheaply as possible, the makers, the creators and everything. So we're battling a, we're battling something that's pretty heavily entrenched. I was just, um, I was thinking just when you were speaking and it's one of the things that have, have been on my mind the past couple of months is you know, maybe one of the silver linings, if any, that will come out of what we're collectively experiencing right now with this pandemic is that, you know, people who've been home and quarantined or in social isolation for three, four months and, you know, who are not 
needing to dress every day to go out into public or needing to you know just apply makeup yeah. every day or that maybe will you know that will shift mindsets and you realize just how little you need I mean I you know I just I just hope that's one of the good things that comes out of this um that we oh, I just think it has to be yeah, yeah. I mean yeah, I, it's, it's conversations I'm having with friends, so I do feel like there's something percolating there, and so I, you know, I'm hopeful that in that regard. It's funny because as Lady Farmer, you know, we we've been we've been teasing out this issue over the last, um, gosh, I guess that's four years now, Emma. This summer, yeah, yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, in March, it, it went from just like kind of a fringy conversation that only it seemed like just a few people were kind of opening up to to oh my gosh you know the whole world was talking about it so it was it was really exciting um and, and and fun and fun to see like gaining momentum like people's eyes really really opening to some of these ideas but still there's a there's a ton of resistance and you know people don't like change I want to jump back into, um, I'm so interested in, in the work that you've done on, on yeah. the Hill. Is that right to say? Were you on the yeah. Hill? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the work that you've done on the Hill and, um, and this rural economic development, I'm wondering in that world what that looks like, because I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I've actually, I used, I worked at a camp in the Black Belt of Alabama, um, oh. in Hale County, Alabama, which is actually relatively well known there's there's a documentary um about hale county and pr has done some things there but it sounds like similar to where you're from one of the poorest counties in the country um and it's just it, it attracts a lot of attention because auburn university has a program there called um rural studio where they're doing like sustainable building um for you know low-income housing and stuff like that and so a lot, a huge part of my heart is lives in that part of the country and with those people. And it's just such an amazing place. And when I think about what economic development looks like from an outside person looking into a town like um, Greensboro, Alabama, it looks like, oh, let's put another CVS there. Let's put another, you know, McDonald's. And it's so easy for someone like me with my background to be very judgmental about that McDonald's and that CVS. But the reality is, is that it employs, you know, the high school kids that um, are my friends. And so it's just, it's kind of, it turns everything on its head. And so just to give you a little bit of my experience, I'm so excited to hear you talk about those things. Yeah, so I, you know, it's, and, and similar to what you're saying, for me, it's also been an evolution in terms of perspective and, and how to be a good advocate and how to know exactly what to advocate for versus what's not, what's not the best route. And so I, so I, I will, it's interesting that you mentioned the black belt because um, during my five years in the Senate with um, Senator Miller, that was actually one of the, the pieces of legislation that I was honored to be a part of and it was the creation of the black belt commission which um wow. ultimately the point of that was to create a study and then effects that trickle down from that in terms of trying to figure out how to bring economic economic development across the, the black belt south um it was certainly the most proud moment of my career so far just being able to be a part of that um i was in my 20s i was young i was a novice in so many ways and it was just humbling to be able to sit at a table with smarter, more senior, more knowledgeable people and 
have these conversations and try to figure out a way to move towards solution. Um, so that's just one thing that I'll carry with me to my grave, just being a part of that. And I do think that there are a lot of benefits from creating that commission because uh, number one, because of the studies, and number two, because of the tactics that were used to try to bring economic development to some of the areas that were within the study. Um, I will also say that I've I've spent a, a years just trying to figure out ways to be active and, and vocal in terms of how to bring big business and manufacturing to a town like mine in Alamo and other towns like that throughout the country. And truthfully, I, you know, speaking of the evolution, I've just rested on the idea that that is not going to, that's not going to win the day anymore. The big companies are not coming to, you know, small town South Dakota. They're not deciding to put their manufacturing plant in small town Alabama and, and they're not, you know, that it's just not happening. And so I'm now just trying to focus on ways to empower entrepreneurship, uh, leaders in entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs in these spaces, because I do believe that is the vehicle towards empowerment. I really do. I don't, mm -hmm. I just don't see it happening any other way. And when it does happen that way, then the issue of sustainability becomes a question because when you get some of these bigger companies to move in and put their plants in these small towns, Absolutely. it's, I mean, the results are always not, you know, maybe the job creation is there, but then there are definitely um, a lot of cons in terms of environmental issues. And as you all know, well, there's just a lot that can go wrong in that way. And we've seen, we've seen many examples of that. So um, I, you know, again, just as my being a, just a small citizen in the world and my small company here, it's just really trying to focus on how entrepreneurship and supporting that is the way towards economic sustainability in these areas and you know this is this is small this is definitely a small way but again just you know it's, it's, it's a start for me and also just a way to have an opportunity to, be, to at some point become visible in regard to the dialogue around these issues. I was I was going to ask Sherry if if part of this creating policy for economic development in these rural areas overlaps at all with um, the whole the whole food desert issue and was yes. there encouragement for creating um, farmers and people growing, you know, food? Because, uh, you know, as you know, the the lack of of food in these areas is is part of the problem, part of the health problem, and and part of the, the whole economic problem because people get sick and they can't work, and it's it's huge in these areas. In fact, that that documentary we saw on the whole, the Green County thing in Alabama was, um, you know, the the main income in that town uh, was disability because number one, there wasn't anywhere to work. And number two, everybody had chronic disease because all they ate was fast food. And this right. is a thing. Yep. And Mary, one thing I will say is that I, I do, I feel like what we are starting to see in terms of a movement towards slow food creation, slow food consumption, I, I am hoping that that can be a model for what we can also do in terms of products right so it's, yeah. it's this and i think there's a lot of success in terms of bringing awareness across all demographics regardless of location race economic class I, it, it doesn't matter i think that there has i will say that i think there has been a lot of progress made towards the importance of focusing on where your food comes from and how you're yeah. consuming it and i just hope that we can start to turn that tide also towards what we consume in terms of things and and yeah. and so i actually see it as um I, I i see that that arena as a model to 
adopt and follow and, and be inspired by and, and implement in so many ways throughout other industries um, or spaces because, you know, I think there's a ways to go in that regard because access is for sure an issue. Um, but I do think there there's been some, there's a lot of success there. And so I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can start to apply that to all areas of our lives, not just what we eat, but everything, everything we consume. I love that. You're so like forward thinking. You're like, yeah, yeah. Okay. We got that now on to the next like big problem I was talking about. <laughs> Let me talk about this. Yeah. That's so well, cool. And we need, we need more thought leaders and, and action takers like, like that. And that's just such a, that's such a like healthy and important and progressive way of thinking. Like, yeah, not all these problems are totally solved, but like, there's a lot of people that get it. We feel the same way about the food movement compared to the fashion industry. You know, like we love to talk about it cause it's so intertwined and it's so a part of our brand as well. But it is kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah, y'all get it. Now let's talk about the things y'all don't get yet. Yeah. (laughs) We got to have this conversation. (laughs) The point being that the whole food movement um, provides, like I I think you just said this, Sherry, it's a model for what could happen and what comes next. And um, Emma Emma and I started out the company, you know, our, our entry point was the clothing. And we realized really pretty much right away that, you know, we're coming behind, we're coming like 10, 15 years behind the food movement where everybody's starting to care about where their food comes from. So, okay, you know, care about what you put on your body as well as in your body. And then from there, it just, like you say, it goes on and on all, all the products that we use all the time. And it's just, it's, it's just like, it's like a, a tsunami of, of, stuff and information and things to know and things to understand and the challenge is parsing it down so people can digest it and so the food thing is always a great model to turn to and say this is how far we've come um but still also to your point people still are just beginning to understand um the devastation that the industrial food system has wrought and um and even if you you know you've decided to go organic or you to eat on some vegetables or whatever um then you get you know you peel the onion a little more pardon the pun and you start you know well where are those fruits and vegetables coming from and how far they've traveled and and uh what do they have in them so that they can cross the country in a plastic box without wilting and all of these things um it gets it gets pretty um overwhelming so uh, the challenge for me is to back up and talk to people in ways that they, they can hear and actual behaviors they can change and um which brings me, I have two questions. Um, that whole thing brings me around to the idea of your gift box where you literally, literally and figuratively have the conversation contained in a box. And you can say, this is what we're doing. This is where yeah. this came from. This is why this is important. And I love that. They can hold it in their hand. <laughs> they don't have to get washed <laughs> overboard with all this stuff, you know. That, that's uh, great. I'll say that. The other thing I was going to say, and this is kind of out of order, is in your hometown of Alamo, are people, um, you know, especially with this whole COVID thing and people wondering about the food supply, are people like going back to their gardens? Yeah. Uh, well, so much, so much to say. <laughs> yeah, so, I know I said too much there. <laughs> no, it's um. So I, I know I have so many 
just you just stated so, so much good stuff and I have so many reactions to to all of it um so going back to what you were saying about the um the food movement and just how that could trickle down to so many other other arenas it's a it's another just something I've been thinking about too over the past month is just um you know always trying to find the silver lining of what's not joyful and so with the, I think with the Black Lives Matter movement, I'm hoping there that some of one of the silver linings that we can take from everything we're feeling and experiencing now is people understanding and realizing the power they have in terms of their purchasing. I mean, it's the way we spend our money is so powerful. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just it. I, I mean, I, we could shout it from the rooftops, but there's so much evidence yeah. too. Just you know how you the, these businesses that you support, that you shop from, that you you know, that you've sourced from, it's just, it's everything. I mean, the, and, you know, it can be, I don't care if it's just $10, $15. It's still, it's your money and it's powerful and it makes, <laughs> it makes mm -hmm. a difference choose to spend it. So it's, um, so when you talk about changing minds and education, Mary, and changing mindsets, I just, you know, I'm hoping that from, from this movement that we're in now, that that's one of the things that we start to, you know, we feel it and we, we know that that's tangible and it's real that how, how we funnel our dollars matter. Um, and so yes. that's it's just something that I'm trying to, you know, how, how do we keep the focus on that? Um, but, in, and then your, your point about the, um, the food, you know, people going back to their gardens. And I, I do think there's been, you know, I was reading an article a couple of days ago about the resurgence of Victory Gardens. And mm. I, I do think that's, um, I, I think it's real and I think it's wonderful. And I hear, I'm, I mean, I'm, exhibit a of someone who's who has no gardening skills but trying to learn on the fly because I just I mean this has just been a wake-up call for for so many in so many ways um you know I I'm still in touch with a lot of you know I just I have a lot of friends who are still in Alamo and of course my family and I'll I'll be honest with you and there haven't been conversations around what people are doing in the fields and the gardens but there's been a lot of dialogue around the lack of access to the internet because there's just yeah. the lack is with a capital L and so you know people that's just the day-to-day -day pain that I think folks in towns like that are feeling right now it's um I can't work from home because I don't have high-speed internet I can't educate my kid at home because I don't we don't have wi-fi mm. oh and so mm -hmm. I, I always tell the story of um throughout my career I whenever I'd go home for Easter or Thanksgiving or Christmas I would always put on that out of office of assistant I'm out of the office until this date please leave a, an email I return blah 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 and so and I'd always tell my boss and my colleagues that listen I'm going to be home for these amount of days I have no access I you know if you try to reach me I won't I won't get it because I would have to drive get in the car and drive down the road seven miles to check my voicemails and my emails and that's the case today so Wow. Sure, people, the, the idea of food is on people's mind and eating well and eating healthy, eating from good sources, but getting through the day in terms of just how to survive these days right now is just, you know, it's just so much. It's food, it's internet, it's job security, it's, I don't have a freaking hospital in my town. <laughs> you know, I have yeah. to drive for the, for the closest hospital. If I get COVID, you know, I, <laughs> my hospital closed down two years wow. ago. So it's, it's one thing after another, after another, but all that to say that the conversations I'm having with my peers in towns like Alamo and, um, and then in towns similar is related to, to the digital divide. It's just such a big glaring thing. And I mean, now people are finally paying attention to it. Thank God. But you know, I mean, it's, it's real yeah. and it's painful 
and it's and and, and I don't know where we're, I don't know if the solutions will be this year and next year no one knows so it's um right you know as people think about what fall looks like for their educating their kids it's a scary time it's so interesting because because the way that our society is set up right now with this um and you know that's just crazy this is actually that that's the first time I've heard that term digital divide and me too um like I like that that name's been put to that problem um I mean I've understood that it's a it's a problem but I love that term because it encapsulates again yes. another form of I mean in a way oppression because because digital because access to internet is access to education and access to being able to inform yourself and educate yourself and like so much of, I mean yeah I, yeah I mean our business lady farmer we've learned basically everything online and a lot of what we say is like you know if we're not experts we'll say oh you know you can just find it on YouTube but like if you don't have YouTube then how do you even know gosh I'm just like my mind is a little bit blown right now I mean I knew that was a problem but that that like that's clicking to me how it's like another it's an it's just one more way that a group of people based on circumstances outside their control are held at such disadvantage and and other people have the power to fix that and it's not happening exactly. <laughs> it makes me so mad exactly <laughs> yeah and that and to your point the access to information in this day and age it's everything it is everything i mean it's yeah it's um it's heartbreaking and it's um and it's frustrating because i i to 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 the point that you made um at the end of your your what you were saying is that there are solutions it's just people being proactive and making the investment to make those solutions come alive um and right, again and just, who's gonna speak for them you know it takes people like you who are from there and in these rooms with these powerful people but like how many of yous are there and you know like it's just it's crazy. Yes. What I want to ask you is, um, so they, you know, they missed the, the, the last one third of the school year and there was no internet. Um, so what are they doing? I mean, are they, are they passing out study packets and sending them to the kids or what, I mean, what is happening down there in terms of education or are the kids just flat out missing school? Well, I was, it was funny. I was actually talking to, um, on Sunday night, a friend of mine had, had a birthday. Um, she turned 45 and she's actually a public school teacher down in, um, in rural North Carolina. And she is, is, I mean, it was, I mean, your, your jaw will drop to the ground now, but she basically, she's, she's been a teacher for 11 years and she, she's, she couldn't even teach her kids online because she didn't have access to the internet in her home. So the only access she had to the web was during the school hours in the school, in the physical school. So when everything started to close down, you know, she, when then there were, the teachers were mandated to figure out a way to go online, I mean, she just couldn't. And so I think in so many ways in towns like hers and even where I am now, there are just, there, there is no education. It's, um, you mean, there's oh. no it. The school year ended mid-March, early April, and then they'll reconvene when they reconvene. I mean, that's, you know, it's, wow. it's I think of privilege. I, you know, just some conversations too with some of my <laughs> Brooklyn-based moms who are, you know, or, and dads who have been venting about the grading system in, in the midst of COVID and how the public schools have decided to issue grades given this. And I just, 
you know, I hold my tongue. But the point is that you're worried about grades when there are people, millions yeah. of kids across this country who didn't even have a class once school closed down. Don't, please. I mean, talk about privilege. Wow. And not to mention a lot of time, you know, in so many areas that school is the only time they're getting a hot meal. And right. like, Sherry, okay. I'm, I'm so grateful to you for shining a light on this for me personally. Um, it's, it's absolutely staggering. You know, it's not that like, it's like everything else. It's something you're aware of. Oh yeah. There's, there are areas that don't get good internet, but this is the first really time I've heard it. Like there are areas that get no internet and yeah. the kids have no school. There are no online classes. There is nothing they are missing out, which, and especially in these areas that just even gets these kids and people deeper in the hole. Yeah. Um, it's, it's staggering. It's really staggering. Yeah. But just to say too, that it's amazing, um, that like you coming from, like, this is where you come from and, um, this is, this has been your life's work. And it's, to me, it's really amazing and inspiring to see you find this, this way to have your like your skills and your gifts and your interests funneled into this you know business movement whatever it is that literally as we were talking about earlier in this conversation what does and will have an impact on all of these things down the line and how interconnected all of this is and how um like for the people who may be like us who are like wait what digital divide no internet maybe we those are the kind of people, which we are, I hope, that would open one of your gift boxes, read the postcard, learn about this place. Like, it's just, yeah. to me, it's so amazing that, like, that's a way to um, connect people and connect communities. And I'm just, like, so impressed and, and inspired and amazed by you, is all I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Emma. And my, you know, that's, that's the hope, is that this can, you know, be a beautiful just to you know provide beauty and 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 utility but also provide awareness and education i mean that's mm -hmm. that's really at the end of the day i think that encapsulates the mission of what i'm trying to do and in, in a very very small way i mean this is very small scale very but i i'm a big believer in small things add up to big impact and so that's what i that's the thought that i try to hold on to um, oh yeah and, and I would like to mention too that my hope is that as this business grows and matures that that the company will be able to um, also be a resource to the makers that we source from so um, that we can you know not only source from them and, and get their products sold and but also to you know advocate on behalf of what they need and what can make their businesses run better and make their lives a bit easier. So it's, um, I'm hoping that that will, that will come to fruition too at some point down the road um, sooner than later. Tell us about some of the brands that you, you work with in your gifting boxes and um, just tell us some of those stories. Everybody loves sure, yes. Yeah. So now I get to, I get to gush a little bit because yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just, I feel so lucky because I, um, I just I just feel lucky and overwhelmed by um, the opportunity to to do this and to get to know these entrepreneurs in a personal way. And I, you know, sometimes I look at the website and browse the boxes, and it's just it's really cool that I can I know the story of how 
88% of the products are made and where they're made and whose hands made them. It's just, you know, personally, that's just cool to me as someone who has, um, who likes to consider herself creative, but just never <laughs> found a way to, to become a full-time maker. So for me, I'm living vicariously through these entrepreneurs. Um, and it's just, I just, I feel lucky. I really do. Um, and so, you know, even when an order comes through and I get to pack a particular box, you know, it's, you know, as I put those products in, it's, you know, I'm like, I know it took time to make this, to handcraft each and every one of these. And, and I know the person who did it, like, that's really cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm really excited about one um, company who we just started sourcing from the past two weeks. It's, um, it's a wooden utensil maker in West Virginia. And it's a couple who've been in business over, I think, 28 years. And they, they, they're not on social media, which I think is pretty wild. And, 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 and just, I just, I, there's something cool about that to me too. Um, but we're, we're sourcing, um, uh, sporks for a camping box from them and also, um, a utensil set for kids. But just knowing that each of those pieces are handmade and hand stamped by wood burner with the type of wood they source from their local area. And then the date or the year that it was made. I mean, really like that's that's so cool I mean it's just it, there's just something special about that and I'm just so happy that yes. I'm having the opportunity to work with them um you know just beautiful handmade items that you can use for years if you take care of you know it's just these they and, and I'm hoping that's what you know the one for the kids box I'm hoping that it will be you know heirloom pieces for kids to grow up with and pass along to their kids that's what that's my vision for for that particular box that's going live um in the next two weeks so but that that I'm, I'm that company I'm just so excited to work with I'm, I'm happy to have a company now in the portfolio from West Virginia I try to be very representative in terms of the regions throughout the country that I source from right now it's about um it's about 40% Southern, um, 30% um, Mid-Atlantic, and then the West, the rest Midwest and Western. So just trying to be very, you know, inclusive in that regard. Um, and then there's another wooden wood maker down in Kentucky, who I work with, and she's, I mean, she's just like we're friends at this point. Like I, I literally found her through a magazine, reached out, sourced her. Um, uh, she's a broom maker and a wood maker. Um, so, was, and I sourced some products from her and then we just got to know each other a bit through social media and, you know, and she's, you know, she, she's, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I just really feel like she's my friend at this point and I know her process. I know how everything is made. I know where everything is sourced from, you know, where she gets her straw and her, you know, she, the wood from her yard and from the rolling hills of Kentucky. I mean, that's, you know, if, mm -hmm. if, I haven't done a trade show yet, but when I do, or fair, but when I, I'm so excited for that to come because I can't wait to talk about these products with potential customers in person. Because <laughs> it's mm -hmm. one thing to write about it on the website, but I'm so looking forward to when I can say, this piece is made by a woman named Cynthia Maine in the rolling hills of Kentucky, and this is the process by which she makes it. You know, that, I just think there's something special about that. Like, this, these are what these rule makers are doing day in and day out to be their families and to take care of, um, of themselves and support their communities. I mean, that, I just, I think it's powerful and I'm, I can't wait to tell those stories in person. Yeah. That is so exciting. I'm, I have goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is so awesome. And I, 
and I want to, I want to see these things, you know, and I'm like, it's funny how when my uh, mom's a wooden spoon hoarder. So I am, (laughs) I am. She only uses wooden utensils. It's so annoying. I'm just kidding. It's cool. She like has like everyone else has the regular utensils. She's like, I'm going to get my wooden fork. (laughs) I I started using them and now I, now I realize I really don't enjoy like the feel of a metal spoon in in my mouth. Like if I'm eating something, you know, like that requires a spoon, like soup. Yeah. I I don't like the metal in my mouth doesn't feel right. So you're going like wooden utensils and like my antennas going like, (laughs) and I'm going, I also feel myself going, going, Oh, I want their website. I want, you know, and it's like automatically goes to like, um, I want to see what they do. And and it's, it's, it's different. I mean, they even have websites. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's so funny too, because it's, um, it's actually interesting. And this is, this goes to the point I was making earlier about, um, at some point being in a position where we can be a resource to these makers, because, you know, a lot of them already, their marketing is, is on point. I mean, they, they, their marketing is a far, far past what I am doing and what I've can do in my abilities and so um but then there's some where you know that's not the case and so you know even for the wooden utensil makers in west virginia i literally emailed them yesterday and i said listen i because every time i aggregate a box i send it out to amber (laughs) um Mm -hmm. for really good photography and so i always like to share those photographs with the makers so they can use for marketing if they choose to um you know just again a way to be a value to them um not just sourcing their products but also just you know, some of these, I mean, these photographs that Amber takes are, they're gorgeous. And so if you can use that on your website or in your brochures, then please, please do it. And so, um, and again, a lot of these, there are a lot of these companies and brands and entrepreneurs are already, they're already in, you know, in good shape, but then some, some are very thankful and grateful to have the photos and, um, and things of that nature. So yeah, shout out to Amber.Breitenberg on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Brendan photographer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we'll put her in the show product. notes. So she's yes. your product photographer. That's she great. Is. I found her work through your, through you all. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And then it so happened that she would, you know, at that time she was in Jersey city. And so she was, you know, so close by. So I was able to, but just two weeks ago, she, she did a batch of photos and I just sent everything down. She's in West Virginia beach right now. Yeah, with her yeah. quarantine. <laughs> I just shipped it down. So it's, um, it's, it's, I'm, it's great. It's so wonderful to be connected to this like-minded community of, of women, especially who are, you know, just have the same value system and who are trying to, you know, to do what makes the world a little bit better and beautiful and more peaceful and more right. So I just, yeah. I, I, every day I just feel, I feel fortunate. Um, My brain is just like firing in all directions right now. Do you have people all the time, like emailing you little companies they find and stuff like brand, like, are you yeah, like yeah. inundated? Okay. <laughs> I'm not, I'm definitely not inundated, but, there, okay. but it's, it's actually funny that you asked that Emma, because one of the things I'm finding is that, um, you know, speaking of an education effort is that we, and, and I, I'm in this, I'm, I say we, because this applies to me too. We have just in terms of what rule is, I think is um, it, there are a lot of assumptions around that. And we, a lot of us miss the mark on what that is. And so I get a lot of, you know, referrals to these brands and um, entrepreneurs at certain places. And then I look it up and it's a, you know, it's a smaller town, but economically they're in pretty good shape. And so it's not quite rural. And I, and I've been very, very conscious. I mean, I, the threshold is very solid. It has to be 
truly a designated rural town. Um, so it's, it's, so it's kind of heartbreaking because I, there's so, so much good stuff being made and done. Mm. And, and I, you know, I wish I could, um, find ways to include and support all, but that, you know, not, it, it definitely yeah. has to be full. So, um, no, that's so yeah. important. That boundary is, yeah. it makes it yeah. more powerful. It's yes. like you're making more impact that way. So it's really, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I just feel like otherwise you just open yourself. It's just hard to, I don't know. I just, I think that's right. It it's just makes it easy to stay true to the mission um, by using mm -hmm. the government definition. Um, Which is, what's the, is there a population number or it's, it's, I guess per it, capita thing? Yeah, it, it, I tell you, I spent, it must have taken me a month to get smart on this. It was, it was insane, <laughs> but oh it God. is. The, it's based on the metrics are wild so based on population um and then distance between um really distance between homes and where pe distance between the residents it has to be a certain distance between where people live um land land existence versus land use um versus residential land versus just farmland um mm. so it's and even the different government entities the way they define it vary so it's been um <laughs> that was definitely an educational experience for me where I just, I mean, I think I mentioned going into this, I thought, oh, this will be so, this is, this will be easy and fun. And then once I decided that that threshold would be solid, I realized that it's, it takes a lot more due diligence to, to make sure you're actually sourcing from a brand that's based in a rural area. This is just something that's heavy on my heart and my mind. And so I'm, I'm willing to talk through it and I'm not, you know, just to share it with you two, because I now feel like we're friends and not yeah, yeah. podcaster for not podcast is completely irrelevant to me but you know it's just it's just something that it's just it's just truth so that's why I feel like it's I, I want to share it because you know there are many many reasons why I was inspired to start yours really um and some I share publicly and some I don't but I think it's now at the point where it's important for me to start talking about the fact that the timing of me doing this too was because I started to feel like the narrative around what rural America is started to become, um, it seemed to be owned by certain, a certain demographic and a certain population. And that was starting to not feel okay to me. Mm -hmm. um, rural is diverse um, in terms of race, in terms of economics, in terms of ability, in terms of sexual orientation. It's not owned by any any group of individuals um and so i was there was a lot of angst i was starting to feel about how the, the, the perception of what rule was starting to percolate in terms of media just just given everything that was happening and so that was another reason why i thought it was important for me to figure out a way to insert my my experience and my voice and my hopes into the dialogue as a black woman um you know who grew up in a town like Alamo I just I felt the responsibility to be honest to to do something to to carve out a space um, and again I'm, I'm it's not lost on me that what I'm doing is a small speck on the scale of everything that's happening but I just needed to give myself that peace by feeling like I was doing something I can't keep shaking my head when a store closes on Main Street in America and not doing anything about it yeah. I can't shake my head and get upset when I read something in the media that portrays rule that's not right I can't just fly off the handle at home and start screaming at my husband because I'm <laughs> upset because you know politically things have have 
started to turn rule towards being one way, this monolith, that's just not true. And so it was, all of that was just a motivation to, to just, um, to put this out into, into the world. So it's just, um, beautiful. I'm also had always hesitant about going that, going down that road, but it's, it's true. And so I, I feel like that's the, the responsibility is mine to also make sure the conversation is full and whole and that that's a part of it. So we're not, yeah. you know, America is not all, you know, we don't all support the same party. We're not all, we don't all look alike. We don't all have the same mindset. You know, we're, we're as diverse as a New York city and a Chicago, Illinois, like we, you know, rule is beautifully diverse. And so I want that to be reflected more and more and more. And I just didn't feel okay with sitting back and letting that story be told. I mean, truthfully, just hijacked in some ways. Like that's yeah. not, not all that rule is. And so, um, but you know, if you just scan the headlines, sometimes it's easy to, for that to be your takeaway. I feel that way about the South too. I mean, I grew up in, granted, not rural. I mean, I grew up in Metro Atlanta, Georgia, but I did, I did go to camp in rural Georgia, and then I grew up working at a camp in rural Alabama, so I feel connected in that way, and my mom's Southern, and I feel Southern, right, and then I moved to Washington, D.C. in high school, and I was just shocked, I mean, to the nth degree of what you're talking about, um, yeah, not nth degree, nth percent, like tiny percent of what you're talking about, by people's they were like, you're from Georgia? Like, why don't you have an accent? Like, number one, yeah. um, you're from Georgia? Like, how are you, how are you liberal? You know, like all these, it's like educated yes. Washington, D.C. people just, even just being Southern. And like yep. my boyfriend, he's from Boston and um, just, we get into it sometimes because he'll say that just like the South or like that's that down there. So of course it's like that. And I'm like, what are you talking? Like I get super defense and I'm not even from, you know, Metro Atlanta could be anywhere. Um, but it's just, you're so right. And it is so important to tell these stories. And in a lot of ways, I think that rural, the rural South, especially because that's my experience is more diverse and a little crazier and a little kookier than a New York city. You know, like there's places in the South that I know that is just like, you would think it's made up <laughs> and yeah. it's awesome and yeah. it's well, fun. You know, I'm from, I'm from extreme East Tennessee, which is like the heart of Southern Appalachia. And, um, I feel the same way about, about that area, um, where there's this perception you know, you know, hillbilly or, you know, that's the extreme thing, um, you know, that I grew up with, but the older I get, the more I even appreciate, and the the more I'm away from it, actually, the more I appreciate the diversity and depth of, um, of the, of that, the area and the people and the stories. And, um, you know, I've actually, um, I've written a couple of novels and where I, I'm kind of going back and digging into all that stuff because I don't know if it's because I was born there or what, but I really feel like it's, it, it's in me and it's a part of me. And, and I feel like this, I'm like, I'm like you, like you want to, you want to tell the story of the, the many, the, the nuances and the layers and the depth of this part of our country and I you know I I, so I hear you I I feel the same way and then there's a a narrative there's a story there's uh, stereotypes there's assumptions just all kinds of stuff so um and then I hear you to gush about you a little bit more just to take that and link it to a physical product that is 
usable by anyone that has the story tied to it. It's like, that's just like the physical manifestation of, of the story that you're trying to spread is so cool. And it's such a fascinating and I think completely, it completely makes sense. And you keep saying too, it's a really small, you feel like a small speck drop in the bucket, but I, I would disagree. I think it's the scope of what you're doing is just magnanimous and it's so cool. And every single person that you interact with through years rurally is just going to be changed a little bit. And it's so exciting. Yeah. Well, I hope so. And I, and I, <laughs> appreciate that um and that and that's actually I'm glad that you made that point too because it's one of the you know when I I made the early decision that all of these products would be photographed in the most professional well done way and so I Mm -hmm. which is clearly why I reached out to Amber because and that's not on you know not by accident it's because you know people I want people to see these modern beautiful well-made products with good natural healthy material being made in in these towns i mean it was um it's just you know i was like i want to make the investment in really good photography so that they the photographer the photograph speaks for the good that's happening in these towns right by these talented doors so it's um that was an intentional decision and so um because we're not all (laughs) hillbillies to your point mary yeah (laughs) yeah so you're you're actually elevating the the products and in doing that, you're elevating the sources and the people and the areas and, um, and shining a light on the realness versus the, the narrative. Exactly. The, right. Yeah. It's so cool. It's just, this is it's so great. In addition to kind of everything we're talking about and, um, and, you know, shifting perspectives and, and, and misconstrued perceptions and understanding that there's nuance in everything. Um, those of us listening to this podcast probably have access to internet. We're probably, we probably follow businesses like yours and mine. So we're probably a little already tuned in, right? So what else can folks who do live um, in more densely populated areas, more maybe it's by city, maybe it's, as you've mentioned, don't even have to be near a city to have infinite more resources than a lot of people in truly rural America. What is there anything else besides what we've talked about that we can support um, um, some of these these areas and these people in these areas? Yeah, I, I think um, my my response to that is I, I would say is really just the life that I try to live in terms of how I speak to and what I say and what I share with my my peers and and my you know my friends. It's um you know, and it sounds simple, but I think it takes, it takes deep digging and, and diligence and work, but it, it really boils down to check your, your perceptions, you know, mm-hmm. be honest with what your perceptions are. And then if they need work, do the work around those, right? Do your mm-hmm. homework um, and, and figure out a way to, you know, if your perceptions are misalign then do the work to get them in a way where <laughs> where they're more appropriate in terms of what rural life and rural Americans are going through day to day um, in addition to that I would say and we did touch on this a little bit um, earlier is you know all of us are responsible for understanding the power we have in our purchases I mean we all we it's just it's this one thing that we we own we own all the power in regard to so 
you know, I just, I like to say as much as I can in any opportunity I can to, you know, to take that seriously, you know, and I, and again, I know that takes work. It takes time. We're all busy, but, you know, try to figure out a way to make that a priority in terms of how you spend your money and who you're supporting when you spend every single dollar mm -hmm. because it matters. Um, and it can truly be a lifeline to families to get food on the table. I mean, it truly is, it, it's, you know, it's just that, that's just the truth. Um, so I think we all have that responsibility and we also should see it as something that, you know, it's, we should see it as our power and we should use it appropriately and wisely and, and in, a, in a way that's impactful because we can. Some of the, the best things we can do for other people is to recognize our own power. I think that's something we don't talk about enough and, and just, and, and accepting your own privilege as responsibility and your own power, your power is your privilege and, and that is responsibility. And that responsibility is, you know, to act in a way that makes the world better for other people. But to yes. do that, you have to recognize your own power. So it doesn't mean you have to you have to sacrifice much <laughs> right, <laughs> right. just living fully in yourself and your power, which is so cool. Um, Those of us that can choose what we want to buy, we have to claim it. We have to yeah. claim that and not shun it just because it seems like a social inequality. We have to claim that because in claiming that we're making it better for everybody. That's exactly right. 100%. Yes. Yeah. And this, this, and you, you also said this earlier and it's, it's a refrain that I've been hearing in my head for days. This is kind of weird. This is getting kind of woo woo, but <laughs> you said, you said shout it from the rooftops. That's yeah. exactly what I've been saying to myself. We need to shout it from the rooftops. Watch what you buy, people, what yeah. you buy, what you buy. And I'll tell you something that really, really gets me upset. It gets me so upset that I can hardly go to sleep at night. When I think of all these people wearing all these slogan t-shirts and stuff, like, you know, woman power or even Black Lives Matter or whatever, whatever it is that were made by slaves, Sherry. Yeah. Yes. I, yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I just want to go, oh my God, what are you doing? <laughs> Yep. That I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I get carried like, away. I, um, I, I had, I, I never, um, I didn't make that connection until, um, recently. Uh, and then my husband pointed it out. He, and I, and it was, he didn't say it as uh, diplomatically as you just said it, Mary, but same thing. He's just like, are people, like people, <laughs> are people not thinking? I mean, does anyone not no. care about the source of, of their message? <laughs> I mean, it's not actually not funny. It's quite sad, but it's, yeah. um, it's yeah. just it's true. All right. We're starting also, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm giving you company secrets here, but they're soon to be revealed. Um, <laughs> we're, we're starting a hashtag called on your sleeve. The hashtag is actually on your sleeve, but we'll put where it's hashtag on your sleeve and to make the point and, and to begin to make the point and again, shout it from the rooftops that, you know, look in your closet yeah. And, and, and you assess where you are wearing human oppression. You are wearing racial inequality. You are wearing literally modern day slavery. You are wearing yep. poison. You are wearing cancer causing agents. You in your closet. Yes. And, and, and you will claim, you will claim, many people will claim that you cannot afford anything else. And this is what, this is what keeps me up. 
So don't, uh, and, and I, I want to say, so don't buy anything. You don't need anything. Don't buy right. it. Right. Does it mean That's you right. have to go expensive stuff to stop supporting That's these right. toxic systems? So yep. there you go. You've got, you've yep. got me going, Sherry. Yeah, no. And I, I amen, Mary. Like I, yeah. you were preaching to the choir. Yeah. And then, I know. And don't even talk about the kids' closets. I mean, that to me no. is where I, my blood starts to boil it's um you know it's it's we we know we think we're living these lives but then when we spend our money and what's reflected in our homes it's a completely different story and what we're putting on exactly. our kids backs. i completely i know i know i mean i i almost want to call this this podcast episode shout it from the rooftops because <laughs> this is one thing and you know, people are people are, are just talking about so many things right now in terms of like you know all the horrors of the last the few recent weeks but they're missing a huge boat, a yeah. huge boat when they're not yeah. aware of this, this consumer stuff. Yeah. So, and um, that's why I think too, and I, I know I keep talking about silver linings because I feel like, you know, the, the, the people in the country like us who, you know, who value the importance of, of what we're chatting about. It's, um, you know, I, I think that we have, I think it is a very ripe opportunity to use this all as yeah. just a learning our platform to say this is exactly why we should do our homework and be conscientious about how we how we how we spend and what we consume and what we bring into our homes I feel like it's um I feel like it's just the right time so I'm actually excited yeah. about this tag that you all are about to yeah to I think that's um I think the timing is couldn't be more perfect I actually love the point that you made and I will I think I will adopt this um into my own vernacular is related to you know I mean the issue of privilege, which, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of justification there. I, I you know, I, as someone who grew up the way I grew up, I 100% get it. But I love the way you articulated the fact that with privilege comes responsibility and you don't have to shy away from that privilege. It's just use it responsibly. Yeah. I, Emma, I think maybe and you talked on, you touched on this too. Mm -hmm. And so I, I love that. I mean, I think that, um, you know, we, you know, privilege is, is, you know, we don't have to apologize for it. <laughs> you know, we don't mm -hmm. have to shy from it, but we embrace it and we make sure that we we use it in a responsible way, period. Mm -hmm. And that's all, yeah. I mean, that, that to me, I, I just love that, that way of talking about it. And I plan to, to use that accordingly, if y'all don't mind, because I think that, oh, um, please that do. that's powerful and that's, um, and it's, and that's right. What is it that you want people to most understand about the work that you do? Um, I, I would, I would say that I want people to understand that yours really is definitely about the opportunity to gift in a very beautiful, thoughtful, easy way. Um, but at the end of the day, the mission is also centered upon empowerment of entrepreneurs in rural areas and also the, the issue of advocacy around what's happening in rural spaces and economic development in those regards. That's, um, that's the most, the most important takeaway I think is knowing that this is mission driven from the sense of there's products being delivered, <laughs> but there's also an advocacy piece for this that, that focuses a lot on equality and empowerment for, for the makers involved and for people who live in areas like these. Yeah, that's so wonderful. And I also love how you mentioned earlier that you have this, this greater vision and this, and this broader purpose that maybe, you know, you, you might not have the, the bandwidth and resources to 
necessarily do right now, which is like, you know, support these entrepreneurs and in other ways besides purchasing their goods, but that you kind of have this vision of down the road, what you want yours rurally to be able to do and and the role you want it to play. And um, that's really exciting to me too. And we feel similarly at Lady Farmer, you know, we're only four years in and a four whole years in, however you want to look at it, like a long time or a little time. And we still have things that we we dream about, you know, being able to employ rural women to sew clothing and all these things that, um, that just kind of keeps this going. Like you have to have those things to keep you going. Yeah. Um, I want to ask Sherry, is there any, anything else on your heart and mind that you would, you know, like to use this platform to, to include? Yeah, no, I am. I have to tell you, I'm so, I just feel right now, just feel with gratitude because I, you know, I'm, I mean, I just, you don't really get a lot of opportunities, I feel like, especially since we're all being socially isolated, to talk about what moves you and what, you know, why, why you're driven to yeah. do something. So I'm just thankful for the opportunity to even have this conversation, and especially to have it with you two, who I admire and who just are just models for me to stay true to my own value system. So this has just mm -hmm. been just a joy, and I'm I'm so grateful for it. It's just, I I'm, again, like it's like a pinch me moment for me, so... Mm -hmm. I just feel validated too, right? I mean, just having this mm -hmm. conversation with two women who get it and who um, appreciate the effort of what we're trying to do. I just feel like um, it's just welcome validation. So I thank you for that as well. You know, that means so much to us and we feel very validated by you. I mean, it goes both ways and yeah. uh, we yeah. just really, really appreciate your time and, and um, your honesty and all this this is just great stuff. And yeah. um, thank you. A million thank yous. Of A million course. thank yous to you too. It was really fun. Right. We'll be talking soon. <laughs> Sounds okay, good. Bye. 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 So we hope you enjoyed listening to and getting to know Sherry as much as we did. Remember, you can follow her at yours rurally. That's Y-O-U-R-S-R-U-R-A-L-L-Y on Instagram. And definitely check out her online store to see her beautiful gift boxes available for sale right now. If you have a friend who's having a baby or someone who's getting married, this would be such a good present for um, if you know someone getting married in these you know, socially distant times. Um, this would be such a lovely gift to send them. Um, and just remember to check her out and think about her when you are thinking about gifting thoughtfully. So Emma, when can people start signing up for a retreat? Oh, we should be launching our registration in the next week or so, hopefully. So this is, this is the end of the first week of August. So hopefully by the end of next week. So by the middle of the month, you'll be able to go in and you'll be able to actually register for our online retreat. <clears throat> and we already have a really cool lineup of workshops and sessions already confirmed. But the good news is this is not all. There's going to be more to come. We're adding things. Uh, people are reaching out to us. We're reaching out to people. And we're just really building out this really content-packed, information-packed weekend. So keep an eye on the website. And if you're a subscriber, you will get emails with all of these details. If you're not a subscriber, please go on the website and sign up. So you will be the first to know and get first access to these tickets. And watch our Instagram 
and our Facebook. And we are so excited to be seeing you guys coming up in November. Yeah, so stay tuned for more on that, and we'll see you next time on The Good Dirt. Bye. you like listening to the good dirt i hope you do because you're here listening to it and are you looking for more good dirt in your life and a community of slow living enthusiasts to connect with all while supporting your favorite sustainable living podcast well We're so excited to offer the Almanac. It's our private, slow-living community network where we share workshops, activities, articles, essays, recipes, and so much more that align with our community's sustainable, slow, seasonal way of living. As a member, you'll have access to information sharing and discussions on numerous topics of interest through online threads and frequent live virtual gatherings. Members receive access to a virtual community of hundreds of other slow-living enthusiasts, as well as Almanac-exclusive events, workshops, recipes, playlists, online gatherings, and a book club. We offer seasonal activities and ongoing discussions on a variety of topics to guide you on your slow living journey. Also included is 10% off the Lady Farmer Marketplace year-round, numerous resources and more, and discounted Lady Farmer events, including... The Slow Living Retreat. As a Good Dirt listener, we are excited to offer you 20% off your monthly membership and three months free, which is basically an entire season, if you sign up for the year. So go ahead and go to ladyfarmer.com slash community to sign up with this special offer just for Good Dirt listeners. Yay. That's ladyfarmer.com slash community to sign up for 20% off a monthly membership of the Almanac for three months free if you sign up for an entire year. That's ladyfarmer.com community.